Welcome to the Frederick Democrats podcast, the official podcast of the Frederick County Democratic State Central Committee. I'm your host, Josh Kramer, and today with me is one of the candidates for aldermen in the Frederick City elections, Ben McShane. And before I introduce my guest today, I want to note the dates of the Frederick City elections. The primaries will be held on Tuesday, September 12th, and the polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. There is early voting for the primaries, too, on Friday, August 25th, and Saturday, August 26th. The general election will be held on Tuesday, November 7th. The polls open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And early voting will be on Friday, October 27th and Saturday, October 28th. For more information about the City of Frederick elections, go to www.cityoffrederick.com slash 150 elections. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest today, Ben McShane. Thanks for having me, Josh. So first off... This is the first time that you've run for office in Frederick City, and I'd like you just to talk a, a little bit about yourself, who you are, a little bit about your, your background. Uh, a lot of people that have gotten to know you in Frederick are aware of your activism, uh, especially with groups like Surge. You know, another way that people know you is through your business. You're a business owner uh, here in the city of Frederick. So uh, could you talk a little bit about just, just yourself? Sure. That sounds great. Um, it has been a wonderful experience starting my family here in Frederick. My wife, Kate, and I live here with our, our first baby girl, Evie, who's 15 months old. And it's also been important for me to get as involved in the community as possible. You mentioned Surge, which is Showing Up for Racial Justice, which is an organization that I'm a uh, founder of uh, just this last year that is focused on a number of racial justice issues and social justice issues. We had some great success with rallies at the beginning of the year at the local mosque showing solidarity with our Muslim neighbors and some subsequent demonstrations focusing on immigrants' rights and different issues like that. Um, those experiences are part of why I decided to run this year because I saw an incredible amount of support for you know, different communities and different neighborhoods in our city. I saw a great amount of support for progressive values and felt like if hundreds and thousands of people are showing up for these sorts of events, to me that means that we have the base here to elect progressive candidates like myself and to push our city in a forward-thinking direction on you know, progressive values. And so uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, some other things like your, your business and I think tying that into economic growth and development here in Frederick City? Definitely. You know, in addition to being an activist and a new father, my business background is something else that I'd like to bring to the city government. I grew up working in small businesses. My family had construction businesses, and that's where I first learned how to, how to sweat it out through the day and, and make my first paychecks. And when I got into my, my own adult life and went through, through college and went to grad school, in the end, I decided I still wanted to be a business owner. Like, like has been the background in my family. And I started principled contracting, which is a construction business. We work mostly in commercial projects, renovation projects on hotels and restaurants. And I started that business with principled ideas, just like the name of the company, and believed that I could be successful even if it meant I was paying my folks a little bit more, even if it meant that I was offering 
holidays and paid time off and things like that that other businesses in my my construction industry aren't offering their their hourly workers and say well we can't afford this that's not possible i found that it is possible and that we've been very successful while also treating our folks you know the way that i think they deserve to be treated so one of the Things I guess we get into a little bit more then, and this is a question that I I ask of everybody that comes on to the podcast, is why are you a Democrat? And I think this is a particularly important question for someone like you who is a business owner, because I think that that the Republicans have really tried to create this impression that, that Democrats aren't friendly to business. And, and I disagree with that, and I'm sure you disagree with that, but... As a business owner and as a new father and as a progressive uh, standing up for racial justice, why do you identify as a Democrat? Yeah, I've been a lifelong Democrat since, you know, since the first time I was able to vote. I grew up in a Democratic family. Um, You know, we were a very progressive family. My mother was a, a member of the union. I've been a Democrat as long as I can remember. And when I was quite young, started volunteering on Democratic campaigns and continued to do that when I was in college. And in my 20s, was an organizer on a lot of Democratic races. I went out to the Midwest, a region that I didn't know a lot about, and worked on some battleground races out there for Senate races and governor's races and places that I thought, you know, the the folks who lived out there weren't getting good representation. They weren't having people in office who really were were working for them and helping them. And I've always felt that the Democratic Party is the party that cares about the average person and the interests, economic, social, of the working people in, in America. And, you know, that led me to being an activist, those same beliefs. It directs me in how I conduct myself as a business person. And I feel like you know, nowadays, as you alluded to, the Democrats need more candidates who are equally comfortable in the progressive activism world as we are in the business world. And I'm that combination of Democrat. So let's talk about some of the, the hot button topics in, in Frederick. And one of them is the downtown uh, conference center and hotel to be built along Carroll Creek. And what are your thoughts on this? And and as an alderman, how would you move this project forward? Or and what's your your just general view? Because there are some people that that don't want this. Some people think this is happening. Some people think only part of it's going to end up happening. Uh, some people are worried about the location. Some people are worried about the impact of traffic. So what what would you do as an alderman in in advancing this project? To me, preserving the historic character of our city is, is extremely important. It's something that Kate and I really value in living here. It's something that my friends and family really value when they come and visit. You know, we host every Thanksgiving and Christmas now. My brothers come, my parents come, my cousins come. They love coming to visit Frederick, and they love walking downtown. They enjoy going onto the, onto the creek. All of these things is, it's one of our greatest assets. You know, our people that live here and the history of our city are two of our greatest assets. And the hotel and conference center project needs to 
be compatible with and complementary to that historic character of our city. I really like that they're going to revitalize the News Post building. I think that we need to preserve those those historic structures, especially, you know, right there in an important location. And, you know, I think that that's valuable, but also any new construction components of that of that plan need to align with the historic character of the city as well. And I think that there's ways for that to happen that can integrate well, both with infrastructure and traffic and with the historic character. So we've seen in recent Frederick News Post articles and several uh, national headlines have gotten into the opioid crisis. And Frederick is not exempt from this. Uh, we've had, as I noted, those, those Frederick News Post articles have, have talked about, you know, uh, the, the emergency room services at Frederick Memorial uh, have been overwhelmed at times because of the opioid crisis. So how could we, uh, how could we alleviate this, this issue? And uh, what things can we offer to people that are struggling uh, to help them with addiction? The opioid epidemic and, and addiction generally is extremely important to me. It's, it's affected friends, it's affected my family, and it's affected the, the friends and families and neighbors of just about everyone that lives here in Frederick City. This is not a problem that's happening in some other state or in some other neighborhood. It's a problem that's affecting all of us, and increasingly, we all know somebody. And I think that it is important for our city and our residents to remember that we need to focus on our own local solutions. I feel sometimes like folks are hesitant to confront the opioid epidemic because it's a national problem. That's true, but we can't wait around for a national solution. We can't wait around for, say, the federal government to come in and provide us the direction and the funding and the services. We need to focus on things right here, and that means pursuing a comprehensive, integrated approach to prevention, to treatment, to harm reduction. We need to be investing in more social services. We need to be referring small-time arrests to social workers and to social services so as to take pressure off of law enforcement who are bearing the, the brunt of, of this problem. Because addiction and crime and homelessness are interconnected and cannot be viewed as, as separate issues. So that kind of uh, brings me to an issue that I wasn't really planning on getting into, but I think uh, since you mentioned the, the local issues, and I think as people look at this federal government particularly, uh, we're not getting any leadership uh, when it comes to things like the opioid crisis and whatnot. And, and a lot of people are looking to their state and local governments uh, to, to address major issues. And one of those other issues, of course, is climate change. And the United States has now pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. And so since we're not getting any leadership from our federal government on the issue of climate change, that issue is now being addressed by states and local municipalities. What can we do on a local level to address climate change? As an activist and as a small business owner, I always try to focus on what impactful change can we pursue ourselves. 
it's easy to just sit back and and fret and complain about problems that are so large we can't do anything about it except fret and complain. But we need to slow ourselves down and say, what can I do right here on this on this local level? That has to do with with climate change as well. And recognizing that we can in, increase things about recycling, about local composting, about incentives for renewable energies, that we have buildings in the city, municipal buildings that are not efficient enough, and that there's other jurisdictions around. The county has done some good things that we can do to increase our own efficiency and take care of our own backyard. And I wanted to also ask you, as someone well-versed in the construction industry, about Frederick's blighted properties, because I think maybe your experiences can give us some insight in, in, in the pragmatism of the challenges that we face with blighted properties, because, you know, a, a lot of these buildings might take a lot of financial resources to be restored. Some of them, I, I, I don't know, the integrity of the buildings themselves maybe even uh, is in question, but how would you address the issue of blighted properties? That's an issue that that bothers me in in the city. You know, I walk around on the city streets with my wife and, and our little girl, and maybe we have her in the stroller. She's up and walking now. She's a toddler, but uh, her pace is pretty slow. So if we're trying to go on a long walk, she's uh, in the stroller sometimes. And I don't like that you know, there's certain blocks that I'd rather turn around. It's not necessarily that they're unsafe, but they're just sitting, blighted, vacant, and, you know, it's not, uh, you know, the, a pleasant end of our stroll. You know, I think that the city needs to do things about this. I don't think that the recent commissions have really had their their recommendations implemented fully. I think that we need to keep revisiting this. And I know from someone who works in the construction industry that you can't continue to wait. When you leave a property sitting there, problems develop much quicker than I think many people understand. You know, water and mold, you can't just leave properties sitting even a year or two, forget 20 years, that the amount of damage that's happening there just due to neglect is overwhelming. And we need to get in. It's a civic responsibility. It's a responsibility of the city to economically develop and to really assert pressure to make sure that some of these blighted properties are getting turned around. I understand if a property owner fell on hard times for a year or so and was having some trouble, okay, we're not trying to run people out of town. But there comes a point after years of neglect that the city has to step up and say, it's in the common good for this location to be serving us, not sitting there as an eyesore. And very quickly, because we're just about out of time, I wanted to ask about uh, bulk trash and what you think of the idea of bringing bulk trash back to Frederick City. Bulk trash is something that people bring up with me all the time, uh, even more so than I expected. When I'm out there knocking on people's doors, when I'm out at events meeting people, folks bring it up all the time. How come we can't have this? This doesn't seem so complicated. You know, it seems like something that if the public is demanding it, we need to find a way to pay for it. And I think that, you know, we have the services already in place. Some of that funding and some of that resourcing can come from scheduling changes and redirecting existing assets. 
But it comes down to the fact that the people want this, and it's a valuable asset that people are asking for. All right. Well, Ben McShane, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to come here and record the podcast. Uh, Greatly appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Josh. And so for more information on the Frederick County Democratic Party, you can go to www.frederickdemocrats.org. The music for this podcast was performed by David Fitzwater. And uh, until next time, Frederick, have a good one.